Welcome to On The Spot with Melinda Garvey, the On The Dot interview series where we sit down with some of the most intriguing and interesting women to watch featured in our daily email newsletter and podcast, Four Minutes with On The Dot. Make sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss a single episode of On The Spot, now available every Thursday on your favorite podcast streaming services. This week, On The Dot editor Sheena Sharma is hosting the podcast, which features Nicole Centeno, co-founder of Splendid Spoon. Without further ado, let's start the show. Melinda Garvey does our usual On The Spot podcast, but today I am taking over. I'm the editor at On The Dot. My name is Sheena Sharma. I am interviewing Nicole Centeno, who founded Splendid Spoon. So thanks for being with us here. And I read a bit about your story, and I guess what's striking about your story is how you were inspired to come up with the idea of Splendid Spoon when you were pregnant with your first son. If you want to just talk a little bit about that and lead us into what's Splendid Spoon, what does it mean for you, and why was it important that you wanted to relay this message, especially when you were about to become a new mom? So my story with food began really like at a very young age. I've always loved cooking and growing vegetables in in a garden was something that I loved doing as a little kid. And I even studied biology when I was in college uh, to really like see how all of this works. I worked in a biochemistry lab looking at how diet therapies can prevent cancer and epilepsy. And then I ended up going to culinary school after I had moved to Manhattan as part of actually kind of like a healing from an eating disorder that I had developed in college as well. I've always had like a really intense relationship with food kind of from all angles. And when I got pregnant with my first son, it was this really like clarifying moment for me to to say like, what really do I want my relationship with food to be? And I want it to be nourishing. I want it to make me feel proud of myself of like how I've taken care of myself. And I also want it to be sometimes just really fun and like just for the pleasure of it, like just going out to, to eat something because it's delicious and because that makes me feel good. So how am I going to create that kind of like balanced relationship with food? As I was researching sort of like how to do that and also just basic prenatal nutrition, I was finding it really overwhelming. Even going to the grocery store and kind of like figuring out what has enough iron or folate was feeling like kind of overwhelming for me. And with my background in science, I knew that there were actually like just some really basic fundamentals that would make a really big difference in my health. Things like just eating more vegetables, going plant-based for like part of the day would be really, really powerful for me. And so instead of kind of like getting lost in the details, which also because of my background with an eating disorder, you know, I wanted to be careful of that as well. I just started having soup for my lunch, sitting down, really like appreciating the, the nutrition and how it was fueling my body and feel proud of myself for having at least one clean meal every day. It transformed me. It really like those negotiations of like, is this good for me or not were eliminated and, and helped me to really focus on building my brand and building my business. And I believed to me that it must be really powerful for other people too. Um, and that's really how Splendid Spoon came to be. Yeah, for our site, for On The Dot in particular, we do speak to women a lot. And I think even as a young woman myself, that women in general, we tend to struggle so much with body image and body issues. To sort of bring that to light and talk about food in a, in a way that fuels, I think is, is really important. And to like sort of change the message around the way that we talk about food versus having it factor in so much into, I guess, the way that we look. 
I totally agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. And so you said that you had a background in science. And I'm a, I'm a bit curious about your transition from studying sort of the biology behind food into transitioning into entrepreneurship. Did you find that it was a fluid transition? Or did you find that because you're so passionate about informing people about how to eat in a super healthy way that it was easier than you expected? Yeah, I think it was easier than I expected. I definitely do have a passion for translating what I learn in my life into actionable like tools and resources for other people. That's what gets me really excited. And so being in a lab felt very far removed from that contact with people and saying like, this is actually going to make a difference in, in your life today. Or, you know, this is really going to help you build habits that you'll be able to be proud of and share then with other people. So that for me is so much of the journey of being an entrepreneur. You're sort of like moving along very slowly, trying to convince people to listen to you because your brand really doesn't mean anything to anybody until it makes a difference in their life. And so, yeah, I think even though those paths were very different, the path with biochemistry also gave me a lot of conviction and confidence that I was informing people with information that was really grounded and, and really factual also. Sure. And sort of backed by science and actual statistics and facts. You mentioned something that I did want to bring up in our interview, which is that the wellness space tends to be very saturated. And I feel like there's so much sort of information that we hear from so many different wellness experts and influencers. And it's hard to, to find something that feels like you're sort of blocking out the noise and find something that I guess fits for you. But I guess, how would you say that the message of Splendid Spoon and the message that your brand gives is different from all the other sort of wellness brands out there? And, and what makes a brand sort of stand out when there are so many voices talking to you about this? That's a great question. There are two ways that I think about this. One is that we have this really true common wisdom. We all have it. And I think if we kind of reflect on what we think right in this sort of like very noisy world of wellness, we can tap into that really grounded wisdom. And it's things like eat more vegetables, drink more water, move a little more, find some tools to reduce your stress. And that's really it, right? And I think there's lots of opinion on how to do that. And that's where we all start to get lost because we think that we're not doing it right for ourselves and we have to look externally to improve that. So that's a big differentiator that Splendid Spoon has versus some other brands where I really believe that whether it's with Splendid Spoon or another product, we all have that common wisdom. And by tapping into it and focusing on habits instead of trends, we can feel more confident every day with the choices that we make for our food and feel good about trying to make healthier, clean eating choices most of the time, but also feeling okay when like, if you love Doritos, you know, or like one of my favorite breakfasts is just croissants and feeling good about that too. And the other thing that we do at Splendid Spoon is we really focus on the habits and the how of food, not just the what. So I've done a lot of work to create really healthy soups and smoothies because the what was what was preventing me from achieving those great habits. But our sort of practice and the way that we talk about food could be used whether or not you're buying Splendid Spoon products or not. You know, like we talk about kind of a food uniform, which is going to be unique for everyone. Like for me, what has worked and how we started the business, it was like taking care of breakfast and lunch, Monday through Friday, 
It means I'm taking care of more than half of my meals. And I know that that's going to make a big difference in my life. But for you, it might be just breakfast or it might be lunch and dinner or it might be like a snack. But I think the point is, it's just a couple things every day. You don't have to turn your life around. And that sort of shift from like, you have to do things a very specific way, which to me, that was always my perspective of the noise in the wellness space was that it was very specific, very sort of like all or nothing. Like either you are healthy or you're not if you're following rules or you're not. And that's just not true. Sure. Yeah. I think there's some shame that comes with, oh, well, I'm not listening to this expert's tip, so I must be doing this like health thing wrong. Um, right. But I like that. No, that's that's very interesting. I like the idea of sort of stripping it back to basics, I guess, um, it sounds like is what you're saying. And the less complicated, the more influential and, and better it can be for your life. That's exactly right. Yeah. If it's simple, then you'll do it more often. And if you're doing it more often, then that's not just like, a brief stint with being healthy. That's your life. What would you say the most, I guess, challenging part about starting that business, telling that message in a digestible, no pun intended, you know, in a way that resonates with so many people, what do you think was like the biggest challenge that came with that? The early days were really hard, you know, and for anybody out there who's listening, who's just starting a business, like I feel you. <laughs> like the early days are really, really hard. You don't have an audience. You haven't proven that you even have a market yet. You haven't proven that anything is going to resonate in the future. And it really is just kind of like putting one foot in front of the other and having really strong conviction in that energetic force that like got you there in the first place. And, you know, I think in the very beginning, I heard so many no's. And, and that was like part of my process was believing in that force that had gotten me there in the first place that but that I would have to shift I would have to because I started in the wholesale business fresh direct was my first account and I had a few small accounts local grocery stores and a couple different small wholesale accounts but they weren't really like I wasn't gaining a lot of traction and it was really tough to sell to a supermarket the idea of building healthy habits when they would put me on the shelf right next to like Campbell's or um, like another fresh soup that didn't have the same sort of commitment to quality and nutrition that I did. And so I had to shift. And, and I think that's a big lesson that I learned is and why I think it's so important to be really grounded in what it is that you care about when you're starting a business, because you will have to be flexible. And as long as that like one thing that is really important to you stays grounded and true, you can move around, you can try different things. You know, for us, we ended up pivoting into direct to consumer because wholesale wasn't the right path for us in the beginning. I hear that. I feel like it's challenging to sort of, you, I guess you have to sort of think on your feet and improvise when certain things aren't working. Yeah, definitely. Do you find that, I feel like, you know, my, my friend and I were talking about this the other day, actually, that the, the whole process of starting a business or starting a brand these days is obviously much different than it used to be because now you have social media marketing and you have to sort of brand yourself not only on your website and you know, through word of mouth, but also, you know, on Instagram and Facebook and all of these different social media platforms. Do you find that you sort of had to give into that pressure of branding yourself in a particular way just because, you know, technology has evolved so much? Um, I guess, like, do you just find it super overwhelming sometimes to have to keep up with all these platforms and promote everywhere and all the time? And yeah. Yeah. 
It's funny because the business is almost six years old now, and I feel like I've just kind of started to make peace with all of this <laughs> and figure it out. In the early days, it was like, do we focus on email? Is it like a Facebook group? Is it a private Facebook group? Uh, like, are we doing enough on Instagram? And then you start to fall into those kind of like adolescent, like, oh, does anybody like me? Ah, oh, is this healthy? Like for me as a person <laughs> to be, to be the sort of like a, on these platforms all all the time and so depended on them to tell me whether or not I'm being successful or not. And I would say I could go back and do it again that like what I've now learned after all of the ups and downs of the past almost six years is starting slow is great. There will always be another platform. There will always be another channel. Pick the one that you like the most or the one that's given you a little bit of traction and feed that one, nourish that one, and then let the other ones come in maybe as you build your team or as as you start to be more excited or curious about those other channels. And because there are great strategies to grow your business from any one of those, you don't need all of them all at once, especially if you're starting like as a mission-based founder, like I did, I didn't have tons of capital. Um, I was like just kind of hand to mouth at that time. And then the other learning that I have is just being true to my own voice. You know, I thought early on, I was like supposed to make my brand a certain way and that it had to be sort of like perfect for a specific audience. And I am very much the brand, you know, like the story started my own personal need and from a very personal space. And the more sort of like open and transparent I can be about that, the more connected my customers feel to me and then to the brand. And so I would say like to, again, to my younger self or to anyone who's in that sort of early stage, it's like, don't be afraid to just be yourself. Because especially if you're mission oriented, like that's what people are really going to get excited about. And that's what's unique in this world now where yes, it is kind of like easy to pop up a brand anywhere on the internet and have an identity and a, you know, a very shiny website, but it's not as common to have people with heart change someone's life or, or change the world. Yeah, I think that's incredible advice. And I think to your point about sort of picking one platform and sticking with it, I like that too, because I find that especially for young women who are just starting out, I think that they do feel a sort of pressure to have it all everywhere and have it all look perfect and shiny and new. And I like the idea of sort of, of squashing that idea and saying, hey, stick with what you're comfortable with, be as true to yourself as possible and use a medium, I guess, that speaks to you. Yeah, definitely. So you have one son now, or do you have more kids? I have two boys. Okay, two boys. Four and five. <laughs> oh, so cute. I have two nephews. I have, they're four and two. It's an interesting age range. Yeah, they're very cute. Yeah, super and, active. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I'm assuming that as a sort of working mom that you have a team that you now delegate to more with your business. I guess as we're wrapping up here, I just want to hear a little bit more about how you grew that team and an actual a place where a bunch of people are, are sort of doing different tasks and you're not at the helm of it. You're, you're balancing your work life, professional life, obviously being involved. Yeah, you know, the cool thing about starting a business is that you learn so much about yourself and you learn very quickly because if you don't learn the lesson, the business doesn't survive. You learn very quickly what you're not good at. 
and you're forced to ask other people for help. And so early on for me, it was actually just making the food. You know, I was pregnant with Grover and then very quickly got pregnant with Caleb. And so just physically, I wasn't really supposed to be like lifting heavy pounds of vegetables and spending long hours on my feet cooking. And so I had to start outsourcing to other people and teaching them how to make the recipes. And I also learned that I wasn't that great at managing a kitchen staff. So, you know, and I think this is part of the entrepreneur mentality. It's like, instead of just getting down on myself and being like, well, like, I can't do it. It's like, there's got to be another way. <laughs> there's definitely another way to do this. And I'm going to figure it out because there's a whole industry for entrepreneurs who want to focus on the marketing and the brand and the innovation, and they can have a partner who actually make the food for them who are really great at staffing the kitchen and finding the right equipment and scaling recipes. So it's a lot of, I would say, just sort of like non-judgment towards yourself because all of those, like, I'm, you're doing this wrong, you're doing this wrong. It's not about like, oh, you've made mistakes, like that's so bad. It's like, oh, good, this is information. I'm doing this wrong. It's not working. There's another way to do it. There's probably someone else out there who can do it. Again, it's hard in the early days because like I didn't have capital. So I might find out like, oh, great, I'm not good at this, but I don't have enough money to like <laughs> hire someone to do that for me yet. You know, there's a lot of endurance required for that, I would say. But but you keep at it long enough and and you are able to find a way to have other people help you. And it's amazing. When you find those people, it's like jet fuel because getting someone to do a job but you didn't like and you weren't good at, all of a sudden, it's not even just that like that job is getting done, you're like twice as fast. Yeah, and I guess at that point, it's like a win-win because this other person is getting experience doing something they love. And I, I love how you flipped that into sort of a positive because I think a lot of entrepreneurs, especially in the early stages, they are trying to do a bunch of different things or trying to do it all. And when they realize they can't, they either quit or they get down, really down on themselves. But I liked how you were able to step outside of the perspective a little bit and say, hey, well, if I'm not good at something, it just means I can give it to someone else who may be much Exactly. Yeah. Yes. It's all about perspective. Those early days are very tricky. <laughs> Thank you so much. You, you really gave some great advice, some great tips for all the young women who are looking to start their own businesses out there. Thanks for talking to me about Splendid Spoon. Thank you for hopping on today. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It was really fun. Looking for more inspiration, advice, and direction? Subscribe to our free daily email newsletter and podcast, Four Minutes with On The Dot where we provide you with the tools and motivation you need to get out there and be the badass you were meant to be. Tune in next week where I, Melinda, am back on the podcast and we'll be interviewing Sandra McCarum, founder and CEO of Collective Child. We're focused on your success. So let us know what you think by chatting with us at On The Dot Woman on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We'd love to hear your voice.